0: welcome to the fearless mom podcast where our goal is to give practical tips and tools to help moms actually enjoy parenting whether you're watching or listening by yourself or you're with a group we're just so glad that you've joined us and remember we never want to add to your already long to-do list we just want to help you be intentional with what you're already doing hey guys i'm julie richard and i'm so glad you're tuning in today Julia and I are currently prepping a series about stress response, emotional resilience, and all sorts of topics that we believe can be helpful as we all work our way out of this quarantine and back into whatever passes for normal life for each of us. In 2019, we recorded a series that digs deep into the growth mindset, mindfulness, and emotions and behaviors, and we believe this series sets the stage for all of this upcoming content. We want to encourage you to listen to these three sessions on mindful thinking, and then we'll dive into all the new content together. Here's session two. Welcome to Fearless Mom. Today we are in part two of our three-part series on mindful thinking. Last week we talked about growth mindset and I don't know about you guys but in studying this I was studying it in efforts to prepare you and equip you, and I learned so much, not only about my parenting, but about myself and about my mindset toward everything. And the more I studied, the more I realized that growth mindset can literally change and improve every area of your life. So I can't wait to dig in today. We're going to be talking more about it, and we know in Fearless Mom, we're always about embracing the responsibility to do our best to set our kids up for their best, and all the research shows that our kids could be more successful and lead a more fulfilling life when empowered with the growth mindset. So we're going to talk more about that today, but first we want to welcome in our online moms. We're so thrilled that technology has connected us, and whether you are in a remote group or you are watching or listening by yourself, our prayer, our hope is that you feel a group of moms in Austin cheering you on. We are with you. We are for you. And remember, if you are one of those moms and you are listening or watching by yourself, you may be by yourself, but you're not alone. We are standing alongside you. Um, So let's start with a word of prayer before we get going. God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the gift of your word. I thank you for the gift of technology that connects us to so many moms. I thank you for the gift of motherhood. God, right now we ask that you settle our hearts and our minds and you open our eyes and our ears so we can see and hear what you want us to learn today so that we can be the moms we were created to be to raise up these kids to be who you created them to be. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Okay, now I've told you guys that my kids are total opposites. And Joe is... I don't know how to describe him. Joe marches to the beat of his own drum, and uh, well, I'll tell you something that happened. So, Joe came home his senior year. Now, keep in mind, the kid is 18 years old. So, he comes home his senior year, and he says, and Mac and I were home, and he said, Guys, I learned how to do a backflip today. I said, Joe, honey, that. Um, is impossible. Like, you can't learn how to do a back tuck in an hour after school with some friends. And he goes, no, seriously, I did it. And I said, I don't, and he goes, let me show you. And I go, no, no, please, no, no, no. As opposed to my husband, who says, let's go outside. Wait, let me get my phone. So, Good news, guys, we have it recorded. So let me show you Joe's backflip that he learned in one hour after school, one day. Let's watch together. You all right? Yes, sir. Uh, Wait, (laughs) there we go. That would be my son, Joe, who, by the way, went off to college as a physics major. I'm just saying, like, it's in there. It's just not always tracking. So I said, um, so they came. I can't even. When I watch it, I I do want you to watch it one more time. This is what I want you to listen for. No. Yeah. Listen for Joe's reflex at the end. This has nothing to do with the story, but we have laughed about it so much. Listen to what Max says, and keep in mind, I'm inside. I did not witness this firsthand, so keep listen to what Max says and listen to what Joe says back. Ready, one, two, three, go. You all right? Yes, yeah, sir. Yes, sir. Still has his manners intact, okay? Still has his manners intact. So that was Joe's attempt um, after one hour of practice um, learning a backflip. Well, then Joe graduates. <laughs> After he did, have, he did have to sit out for a little while with a minor concussion. But, um, yes, so then he goes off to college. So he's at Clemson University across the country, and he calls Mac and me, and he goes, guys, I joined the gymnastics club. <laughs> we said, that's amazing, Joe. Do you do gymnastics? And guess what he said? I wanted to learn how to do a backflip. We were like, that is awesome. We are so glad that we've sent you to college to learn how to do a backflip. So it's about a week later, and we get this video. wait I think we got the picture of how Joe felt after he did the back t- yeah he was beside himself now unbeknownst to us Joe had a deep desire to learn how to do a backflip. we don't know why this we know about Joe you're better off not asking why when I asked for these videos he texted me I, I can't he texted me back he sent them to me and I said thanks for always letting us use your stories and he goes no problem I got tased again today um <laughs> like a dare Uh uh-huh like a challenge he said it did happen at church if that makes you feel any better anyway that says a lot about Joe but unbeknownst to Joe Joe was implementing the growth mindset Joe did not know how to do a backflip but Joe approached it as I don't know how to do a backflip yet everybody say yet of course, we're wondering, why do you need to know how to do a backflip? But Joe thought, I'm going to learn how to do a backflip. So what does he do? He seeks out help. He joins the gymnastic team. He probably fell multiple times before he got it right. It was painful. It was should have been embarrassing. Um, and it was hard work, but he did it. He was employing the growth mindset. And... <laughs> you may not desire in your life to do a backflip. And maybe that's not even a list on the things that you hope your child will accomplish one day. But we do know that children are better off. We do know that we are better off if we approach life with the growth mindset. We can learn from Joe, number one, things not to do, and then things to do. And what he did was he said, I don't know how to do it yet but i'm going to do the work and i'm going to practice and i'm going to use new strategies so that one day i will be able to do it we should approach everything in our life that way it's not just about academics it's not just when i first learned about the growth mindset it was applied to academics it was in the classroom but the more i read and studied it's not just about academic performance or even sports performance it's about Your emotional health, your relational health, your spiritual health, and yes, your physical health, and your professional health. It applies to every area of your life. And so what is our job? To do our best to set our kids up for their best life. And so we've got to dig deep into If We know the research says our kids are better off if they use the growth mindset. Then we need to learn the vocabulary and we need to be able to teach them, but we also need, we know, the best way to teach it is to have it, and so we need to adopt that growth mindset also. Stanford psychologist Carol Dweck is the one who came up with the terms, growth mindset versus fixed mindset. And she studied children, students, and adults who applied the growth mindset, and she tracked them, and she saw um, high achievers achieve higher. She saw low achievers achieve higher. She saw that not only did they embrace the work, they enjoyed the work as they were doing it. So it was a completely different shift in thinking. Mindset is more than what you think about one thing. Mindset is more than what you think about one thing. Mindset is how you think about everything. So it's not just a thought about homework, or a thought about math, or a thought about a backflip, or a thought about making the team. It is how you think about everything. It is embracing the concept of, I can work hard and I can achieve. It's giving kids, giving ourselves hope and control. Um, It is your belief system. A fixed mindset, just for review, is the belief that abilities and aptitudes are static. Either you have it or you don't. Either either you're an artist or you're not. You're an athlete or you're not. You're a scholar or you're not. It's fixed. And you can see how discouraging that could feel to a child who has an assignment and then tries to work on the assignment, doesn't understand it, and then goes, I'm not smart enough. So that fixed mindset stops us in our tracks and keeps us from progressing and growing. Whereas the growth mindset is the belief that abilities and aptitudes are fluid and can be developed. Abilities and aptitudes, relationships, professional achievement, emotional health, Can be worked on, can be developed. The growth mindset applies to everything. Um, People who adopt this mindset have a different outlook about life in general. And I believe it gives people hope and control. It says, This uh, removes the victim mentality and says, I can do something about this. I don't like where I am now, but I have control and I can hope for a better future. So I I think it's super important. I'm going to stick the chart up one more time. So those of you who didn't get it the first time, I would encourage you to snap it with your phone. The fixed mindset versus the growth mindset. Fixed mindset avoids challenges, ignores feedback and criticism, gives up easily, envious of others' success, gets stuck after failure and quits learning after school years versus the growth mindset, embraces the challenges, learns from feedback and criticism, never gives up, inspired by other successes, learns from failure and continues learning. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things to me when I look at that chart is there's no shame in failure and there's no shame in struggle. I think that Kids, I've seen it um, in the classroom. I've seen it um, in working with kids and students um, in church. There is something about struggle, and whether it's struggle academically or struggling to make the team, whatever it is, we reward when it comes naturally. We reward and we go, wow, man. That, And they want to be a natural. They want to... Um, be seen as someone that it comes easy to them as opposed to someone who worked for it. If a child struggles in math, then they're embarrassed that they struggle. We want to remove that shame. We want to remove that embarrassment, and we want to praise that hard work because we know that that's going to get them farther in life. Um, But it's a a mindset not only, like I said, in the classroom but elsewhere too. Um, When a child views failure um, and struggle, as something that is valuable, as an opportunity, or even as a necessity for learning and growing, then they approach everything differently. And what about not just a child, but an adult who approaches criticism and critique and feedback as not only an opportunity, but a necessity for getting better. Think about it in your marriage we have it's a two-way street here and if my husband says to me it's not a correction but something that i could do better in our relationship something that bothers him well my reflex can be well he don't know anything he don't know the whole story and that's my fixed mindset i'm offended and i'm not receiving that or i can go this is his perspective i listen I filter it, and I'm not offended by it. You see how it can make my relationship better. It affects every area of your life. Now, before I go any further, I do want to clarify this. Um, Last week, I told the story about Emily and AP Chemistry, and um, she did remind me that she did pass that class with a 72. Uh Uh-huh just by the hair of her chinny chin chin. But um, she passed the class, it did not help her GPA. I told y'all that, it actually hurt her GPA. But in the end, all of her scholarships came from her test scores. And she will tell you, the reason I did well on my test was because I had that class where I learned how to prioritize questions that I knew and questions that I didn't know. So I don't know if she was just saying that to make me feel better, but that is what she said. This is the thing about challenging classes and all of that kind of stuff. Um, how do we know how hard to push our children? And should, should they take every AP class? Should we have them in advanced classes? There's no blanket statement. To teach your children, you must first study your children. And so you know your kids. You know your family schedule. You know your threshold. You know. So you pray for wisdom, discernment, and common sense as you make those decisions. In our family... We said, AP classes, those are amazing, but can you also do extracurricular? Can you also do church on Wednesday and Sunday? Can you also um, do uh, family time? And do you have downtime? And so then if you could do all that and add an AP, I was like, go for it. But I'm not going to, I believe in hard work but I believe in family time. I believe in hard work, but I believe in church. I believe in hard work, and so it was one of the things that we did, but that was our decision. Early on, um, Joe started doing advanced classes in some things, and Emily would start them, and there's no right answer for everyone. Um, You know your children, you make the decision, you um, study your children, know their threshold, believe that their threshold is probably higher than you think, and be okay with struggle. And um, I I think that's super important. And then if you have a special needs child and you're like, I don't know what independence looks like. We talk about your job is to raise up independent, competent adult children. Your responsibility now is to embrace the responsibility to do your best, to set your child up for his or her best. So if you have a child who has special needs and maybe you don't know what independence looks like, it is your responsibility um, to lean in to talk to the pediatrician, to talk to the counselor, to talk to the teacher, and to stay in close communication. It is a team approach with special needs kids. It is a team approach with um, kids who are not in special programs. It is a team approach. We work with the educators, with the doctors, um, to know what's best. And if you don't already have a counselor, for your child and you're thinking, I don't know if this is stressful, find a counselor. We believe in building your team to support your child. So um, I, I wanted to clarify that when we talk about struggle is good and we're gonna talk about that today, y- you do what you can handle and there are different seasons. There were seasons of our lives where we were like, hey, we're gonna kick it down a notch because we've got so much going over here with our family or with our situation we're in right now, whatever. And that's okay. That's okay. I claim, you know, Romans eight twenty eight. nothing is wasted. God is going to use everything for his glory and our good, and I've got to believe that for my children, too. So, I just wanted to clarify before we go on. So, when I talk about struggle, when I talk about pushing your kids, you know your threshold and understand that your child's threshold is probably higher than you think it is. And so, just go into it knowing that. Um, so, the good news about this research about mindset and about how we, it's so important. We know it's important. We know it's valuable. good news is no matter what mindset you have today, you can learn how to have the growth mindset. You can retrain your brain. Turn to your neighbor and say, retrain your brain you literally can build your brain you literally can make your brain stronger you can you can work on how your brain fires by employing the growth mindset through mindfulness and practice you can retrain your brain I um, when I talk about mindfulness and I'm going to talk a lot about that today um, I want you to understand that I'm Mindfulness has many different definitions, and I'm gonna give you our definition in just a minute. So being mindful, if you guys have uh, read it all, if you are kids' teachers or you've seen um, on Facebook, there's so much out there about social emotional learning and how we need to connect a kid's emotional health and social health with their academic achievement. Um, And so mindfulness is a big thing right now. It's very current. Whenever you Google something, Be discerning, Um, if you're gonna Google it and and try to look for opportunities, just understand we filter everything through scripture here and there are always some wackos out there. And um, you know, I mean, some would say I'm a little wacko, that's okay, I embrace it. But just be wise and discerning, always. We are always praying for wisdom, discernment and common sense as we parent. Every family is different. Some things will work for your family that will not work for others. Our job here is to find some common ground. So we're gonna talk about mindfulness today. No matter your mindset before today, today you can have a growth mindset. You can retrain your brain. Romans 12, 2. Romans twelve 2, we're gonna put it up there, and then the highlighted words, I'm gonna want you to read it with me. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing what? the way you think, by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Carol Dweck gave all this research about having the growth mindset. What do we do at Fearless Mom? We filter it through scripture and then we go, hey, guess what else? We've got God's power in us to change the way we think. And that's what this says. It says, let God transform you into a new person by changing what? The way you think. We know the power of the mind, and we know the power of the mindset. And my prayer is that you listened or watched last week and that you have examined your thoughts this week. You paid attention to it to say, I know the fixed mindset. I'm set in my ways in some areas of my life, but I know the growth mindset can lead me to a successful, a more successful, more fulfilling life. And so we let God show us that. And then we change the way we think because approaching your life, and again, not just academically, but emotionally, spiritually, relationally, professionally, all of the things, approaching it with a growth mindset gives you hope, gives you control. It points you toward the future. It's the way we're supposed to live. That's what God intends for you. Your mindset can be a superpower. Your mindset can be a superpower that nobody sees but you. And someone may say, wow, she is just, what has gotten into her? You're like, she's changed the way she's thinking. She's Quit that stinking thinking. She's got a growth mindset now. She's like, give me my cape. I am ready to take over the world. It's just a change in your mindset because you've allowed God to change your heart and your mind. And he will do his work in you. You're like, I'm not strong enough. You're not. You're not. You're not but God is strong enough to help you do it. And when you partner with him, he will give you that. I know that last week we talked about adding yet. I'm hoping that you found opportunities to add that to your vocabulary this week. Um, I know we did. I was encouraging my husband with yet. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, thinking about Joseph, I can't do a backflip, what? Yes. Yeah, are you guys all gonna go home and try a backflip today? Yes, we'll have our own class. Uh huh. You may not wanna show your kids. For those of you listening on a podcast, we will post it. Uh, We'll post those videos, uh, as painful as they are, um, on the Instagram, the Instagram. Oh, I meant the fearless mom Instagram. Yeah, my daughter will be like, Mom, seriously, the Instagram? Anyway, adding, I don't understand social media yet. Okay. My marriage isn't healthy yet. My child doesn't sleep through the night. My child doesn't eat solid foods. My child isn't walking. I don't feel close to God. Yes. I don't think I've reached my true earning potential. Yes. I don't think I am who I'm created to be. Yes. We're stepping into that. Do you see how just saying yet moves us from looking to the past to looking to the future? It says this is how look how how discouraging how, of course I am I'm changing my face. Look how horrible it is, you know. But look but when we say yet, I've now position myself, that's what a growth mindset does. It changes your posture, it changes your perspective toward the future, it gives you hope and control. But we don't know how to do it. I haven't figured it out, I haven't figured it out yet. Acquiring the superpower sets you up for your best life and equipping your child with the superpower sets them up for their best life. So go ahead and decide right now, I'm gonna do the work. Turn to your neighbor, I'm gonna do the work. To retrain my brain. Here's the key. Max said this. I can't remember. It was a message series that he did a while back. Think about what you think about. Isn't that such a simple sentence? Think about what you think about. Think about what you think about. That's what mindfulness is. Think about what you think about. That's what the growth mindset is. Thinking about what you think about. And then choosing to think Forward, Choosing to think, not yet, choosing to think growth mindset. It is about thinking about what you think about and then doing something about it. Do something about it. Surround yourself with people who also encourage the growth mindset. Surround yourself with TV shows, podcasts, whatever it is that is filling your brain with more growth mindset. Be aware. I'm not saying ditch all your friends. You know, We love everybody, but I'm aware of how I feel when I leave a coffee or I leave a lunch or I leave a play date. And then I go, you know what? If, I, if this person um, is not encouraging my growth mindset, now I've got to find two people who are. I'm in control of that, and I can make those decisions. Growth mindset. Think about what you think about. Um, I want to remind you of the power, the superpower. Last week we talked about the power of yet, adding yet to something you cannot do yet. Um, I do not cook in my house yet. Yes, uh huh. that's mine. I'm going to go ahead and adopt that one. I used to, and then I stopped. And maybe what I prefer to say is I haven't ordered dinner Yeah, I think that's going to be mine. Um, The power of choice. The power of choice. Making, you know, I cannot control everyone around me, but I can always control how I approach and respond to them. I cannot control my circumstance right now, but I can always control how I approach that circumstance and respond to it. So it's the power of yet, the power of choice, and the power of praise. Praising the process, not the product. We're all about that was... um, I made an A, Mom. Excellent. I saw that you worked so hard on that. Man, you really figured it out. I'm so glad you went in for tutoring. So you got to learn new strategies. We're praising the process, not the product. There's no shame in struggle. There's no shame in getting outside help. Um, Now this week, I want to add to this list. We got three more. So the first one for today in changing your mindset is the power of struggle. We have to see struggle as not only an opportunity, but a necessity. It's changing our thinking, changing our thinking. It's not just an opportunity, we've said that before, it is a necessity. When a child is learning to crawl, we put something in front of them, they crawl. We put it on video, we cheer for them. We don't pick them up, we let them crawl. We know it's necessary for their development. We we are all about it. When a child's learning to walk, we video it, we document it, fall down, fall down. We don't worry about it. We we celebrate it. We celebrate that physical struggle. Then they get into pre-K and they don't know how to hold their pencil. What's the word we say? Yet, they don't know how to hold their pencil. And we call the pediatrician. We look it up online. We get occupational therapy. We are all about it. And because we are like, this is, we don't want any struggle. What if, I bet he's embarrassed. I bet he's embarrassed about it. Honey, don't be embarrassed that you can't hold your pencil. And he's thinking, I wasn't until you just said that. And, it, <laughs> and now we're putting all this on and We don't want them to struggle. We certainly don't want them to feel less of a person. What if somebody else, what if the other mothers, All the other mothers are going to be talking about him. And, okay, what happened? We were all about the struggle over here, and now we're mortified about the struggle. Hey, God, it's part of the process. Struggle is not only an opportunity. Struggle is a necessity for development. And not only that, the only way to benefit from struggle is to struggle. The only way to benefit from struggle is to what? The hardest part of being, well, the hardest. Yeah, I'm going to say top three. The, one of the top three hardest parts of parenting is to watch your child struggle. I teach this. I know this. My children are adults. All four, adult children. The thought of any of them struggling makes me sick. I literally have a pit in my stomach, whether it's relationally, emotionally. Whatever. I don't want him to struggle. I I want them to be happy all the time. And so what do I do? Come over, let's have a snack. You know, uh, that's super healthy, isn't it? Um, But I I don't want them to struggle. And then I read this and I'm like, the only way to benefit from struggle is to, it is not only an opportunity, it is a, I am intervening, I am delaying development when I do not let my child struggle. It, It is easier said than done. But I want you to consider your child in school, and how they perform there. Your child in a play group and how they perform there. Your child in a preschool, and you're like, he's struggling socially, he he bites. He, hey, no judgment here, man. Yeah, we, we are all about it. We want to help. We, we're a team, remember? We're, we're a team, and we work together. Remove the shame from struggle. Remove the shame. Your child gets extra tutoring. Your child has tested, and oh, they want to they test your child to give him some extra help. Embrace it. This is not about me, this is not about my parenting, this is not about what people will think about me or even what people will think about him. This is doing my best to set him up for his best and I'm gonna embrace the opportunity because there's no shame and struggle. We're gonna figure out new strategies and this teacher is gonna help you develop new strategies. There's no shame and struggle. Turn to your neighbor because she needs to hear it. There's no shame and struggle. Instead of teaching kids to avoid failure, we need to teach kids how to handle failure. Instead of teaching them to um, avoid risk, we need to teach them how to manage risk. That's the next one, the power of risk. The power of struggle, the power of risk. Now, to encourage my child to embrace risk, I don't ever want them to be embarrassed. I don't ever want them to experience disappointment. I, don't, I want them to make every team. I want them to be the top player. I want them to be happy all the time. Risk is not only an opportunity, it is a necessity for healthy development, embracing risk. The only way to know or to learn how to do something is to try it. And I have to be okay with risk. When Joe called and he said, I'm going to try out, I'm going to audition for the musical. My, my two best friends, we're all, we decided we're all going to audition together. And I'm like, that's amazing. And I tell Mac, I'm like, he's literally never been on stage by himself. What is he thinking? And um, the choir at uh, our high school is like 450 or 500 kids. And so it is to be in the musical. It sells out. It's multiple shows. It's like a, a facility that seats you know over a thousand people. And I'm going, Oh, my word. You, you've seen Joe. The only way he does things is all in. And so if they give him a note that he can't hit, Joe's going to try it anyway, you know, and he's going to give it his best shot. I was like, oh, I'm going to be, I didn't want him to risk it. I didn't want him to, Emily, I'm going to, I think I'm going to go um, off to college. I'm going to go out to South Carolina. And I'm like, you don't know anybody. You don't know, that is so risky. That is so, what, what if you hate it? What if you, and both of them. They, fortunately, I only said those words to Mac <laughs> because I knew in my head, whatever, it, even if it failed, and here's my thinking, God's going to use this failure in their lives. You know, God's going to build them through, and lo and behold, the, the courage. Y'all saw Joe's face after he did it and then figured out how to do it. He was beaming. He could not wait to do it, encouraging risk. It goes against every part of being a mom encouraging risk i mean it is like i don't want you to get hurt but i do want you to try okay yeah Uh, use good judgment and um i'm praying 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 but we have to teach kids and empower them how to manage risk and if you say well i have a kid with um anxiety i have a kid so risk is super scary i get it um and so sissy goff uh, from um Raising Boys and Girls, that is, she's actually from Daystar Counseling in Nashville, and she works with kids, with specifically girls with anxiety, and she says we must be very cautious with our girls' anxiety because unknowingly we can feed their anxiety. We would never do it on purpose. But the only way to overcome a fear is to lean in, and lean in and do what you're afraid of. And we don't want them to, and we don't know, are they gonna break, are they gonna crack? Again, it's a team. You're working with the counselor, you're working with the teacher. We're not gonna throw a kid in who's not ready, but we have to understand they're more capable than we believe they are, and they're more resilient, and the only way to build resilience is to be in a situation where you have to be resilient. And so we have to look at risk as not only an opportunity, but a necessity. Goes against every core of our being, doesn't it? We want to shield them, but That is not helpful to their development. So we have the power of struggle, the power of risk, and third, have the power of new. The power of new. Encouraging kids to try new things, to do something they've never done before. This, I think, goes back to the risk and the struggle. I think um, I've had moms say to me, my uh, son wants to try out for basketball, but he's in ninth grade and he's never played before. What do you think? I'm like, let him try let him try, but we don't want him to. So let him try. He wants to do it. What What's the risk there? Let him. Let him try. And um, Emily um, did not make volleyball her seventh grade year. And then um, I didn't know what she was going to if she was going to try out again her eighth grade year. And um, she uh, got off the bus and said, "Hey, mom, I'm on the volleyball team." I'm like, "Really? Did you try out? You're wearing flip flops." <laughs> And she said, during lunch, I'm pretty sure it was Kenzie, during lunch, um, Kenzie showed me how to serve. And so I made the team. I'm like, that's amazing. I likely would have prepared her like this. You know what? It's okay if you don't make it. I want you to be ready for if you don't make it. Because I would want to build her up in case she didn't make it, and so good news, I didn't even know she was trying out because I think she decided at lunch and to try out that day, but embracing risk, empowering kids to try something new, she hadn't really played, and a lot of the girls had played club ball and everything, but she wanted to try it, and she loved it. It was amazing. She didn't go on to continue to play, but it was something new for her, and she wanted to do it, and we have to be okay with that, and as a matter of fact, the best thing you can do is to let your kids see you do something new. And you have to, a lot of times, look foolish. You have to be okay with looking like you don't know how to do it. You have to be okay with being embarrassed. I have to lean in um, and, you know, acknowledge I'm not good at this and look foolish before I can be good at it. It's the best thing you can do for your kids is to let them see you try something new. Um, when I was... Let's see, Emily was in elementary school. We did the mother-daughter camp out. And um, our Girl Scout troop, um, we were Troop 1809, and um, all the mothers would go to camp too. And so the first year, the girls were in first grade, and one of the mothers came out in her swimsuit for the water slide. And all the other mothers were all looking at her like, "What? you're going to do the water slide? We thought this was for the girls. And she said, yeah, I'm going to do the water slide. And so we all went in and changed (laughs) and came back out the girls much preferred cheering us on as we flailed around and on the water slide. And we were looking like, I can't even imagine. So the next year we went to another camp. And it was a camp that had the blob right in the middle of the lake. The kayaks were over here. The rope swing was over here. Well, the girls were like, are y'all going to do it this year? Are y'all going to do it? And they keep them up. They're like 20 girls in 20 moms, And we're like, we're doing it. And we're all looking at each other like, what are we thinking? And so, on the blob, we get up there and we're like, okay, who's going first? Um, and we start, well, we notice our girls were divided into groups. All the kayaks had come around to watch. All the people, the whole people in line for the ropes when we were watching, you know why? They were loving watching their mothers try something new to struggle, I mean, we were struggling. (laughs) I am not gonna lie, and it was obvious. We weren't hiding our struggle. But to try something new, to do something risky. You know, guys, our kids don't see moms do stuff like that enough. They may see their dads try new things. They see their dads embrace hobbies. we got to step out. we we got to, you know, get out there. I'm looking at Trina's nodding over here. She surfs, um, wake surfs, and with her daughter, within I'm like, that is beast mode. That is what I want my girls to see. That I want them to see us try new things. That is why I've already told you I'm learning to barrel race. So, um, on a horseback, uh-huh, in a rodeo. Um <laughs> But we have to embrace it. And what we found was by the time the girls got in fifth grade, we actually hosted a mother-daughter camp out for our um, entire school. And um, so all the, it was all ages. And so uh, what we, we said, okay, we're going to give an award. And so if you see your mom being brave, if you see your mom trying something new, you can come in and nominate her for um, the Funky Mom Award. Because we were the Funky Monkeys. And um, so... It was amazing. It was so empowering to those girls to see their moms. They would come in and say, my mom didn't want to do the rope swing. I did have a conversation with the moms before, and I would say, you will put your swimsuit on and you won't say one word about it um, because it is valuable for these girls to see every body type out here. And so if you don't feel comfortable, wear shorts. But this is not we are not here for observing. We are here for participating and for leading our girls. And um, so anyway, I, um, the girls would come in one by one. My mom had never done the rope swing. She didn't want to do it, but she did it anyway. And I'm like, this is, we had no idea the response. And Emily is 25. Emily and Allison are 25. They're still doing it at their elementary school. It was one of those things that just caught on. It was so empowering to our girls. Moms, if you have girls, you need to let them see you try something new and something brave and and something ridiculous. Um, So mindset is the key. It is shifting our mindset, embracing the struggle, embracing the new, embracing the risk um, and we know that it leads to um, a happier, more fulfilling life. Galatians 6, 4 and 5. Pay careful attention to your own work. To what? Your own work. See, you're responsible for that. Pay careful attention to your own work for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each, what? Responsible for our own work. You don't need to compare yourself. We've got to teach our children not to compare. We say, you do you. You embrace your responsibility. You learn at your pace. I love the pace you're learning at because I see you working. I love that. We're embracing that. I look at my child. I had Emily who was like speaking. I don't, I'm not even sure what age. I think she came out of the womb, you know, talking and telling us what to do. And then I have Joe who did not say one word. I'm not exaggerating. Not one word until he was three. And so had I been panicky about that, had I not been a teacher, and I'm not, I, my degree is special ed, so I knew what to look for, I would have been frazzled if I'd seen everything on social media, and if I he was behind every milestone there ever was. You know, I mean, stuff that wasn't even documented. I can tell you right now, Joe was behind. That that was just who he was. He was just laid back and easygoing, and and I got to be okay with both. I, I have to embrace both. And a growth mindset says you grow at your own pace. I'm not going to panic. I'm going to help you learn new strategies. I'm going to get you the help you need. I'm going to we, uh, you know. We're gonna do it and we're gonna work on it together, but there's no shame and struggle and we embrace the child we have and teach them that they're responsible for their own conduct. I think the thing about being responsible for your own conduct that's super important is understanding, because if we look at everything that's current, all the current things that are in the education system today, we talked about social, emotional learning, growth mindset, emotional resilience, all of the things. There is a common thread that runs through all of them. And it's empowering our children to recognize thought, to recognize thought, to catch that thought, and then say, what do I do with it now? So what are ways we can teach children? And I'm talking about from the tiniest. Are there words we can use? Are there vocabulary words? Are there? Are there things that we can do, choices we can make and actions we can take that can help them recognize thought and catch that thought, recognize a feeling and catch that feeling? That's what we're working on doing. We're gonna do so much more next week, but I wanna send you home today with a few strategies that you can employ. um, As far as teaching kids to be mindful of their thinking as far as helping kids with mindfulness being aware of their thoughts and again growth mindset it's all about being aware of your thought and saying what am i thinking about this how am i feeling about this so we want to teach them to catch that thought before it becomes a pattern of unhealthy thinking and so that is the um, social emotional learning, and that is the cognitive behavioral therapy that you hear a lot about. We wanna teach them to catch that thought before it becomes an action or behavior. That's willpower, self-regulation, self-control, more of those skills. Catch that thought before they react with emotion instead of responding with wisdom, Um, and that is, uh, oh, that's a huge self-regulation, and um, all of that is a huge part of social-emotional learning and behavioral issues that we're seeing in younger and younger kids. Catch that thought, and push through, and persevere, and work hard. See if they understand, I'm feeling discouraged, I'm thinking I can't do it, But actually, I know that I can if I work hard and use new strategies. And so we wanted to catch that thought. We wanted to catch that thought. Take the risk. Take the challenge. Embrace struggle. There's no shame in struggle. There's no shame. And I learn differently than you do. I read at a different pace. We can work together. And um, there's no shame. So what is mindfulness? I'm going to give you our definition. When I teach mindfulness, this is what I'm saying. Being intentionally and fully aware of the present. That's all I mean. Being intentionally, that means I'm doing it on purpose, I'm setting aside time, I'm making it happen. Being intentionally and fully aware of the present. Intentionally and fully aware of the present. These are things that you can be aware of right now if you're pregnant or if you're a grandmother and everything in between. You can be aware of your mindfulness. You can be fully present. And when we talk about teaching kids this, we're gonna talk about the five senses. Seeing, smelling, tasting, hearing, feeling. So be thinking about that. If you have a little one, you can have mindful moments. You can have a mindful meal. You can take a mindful walk. You can implement mindfulness into your child's day by doing this. We're going to go outside. I'm leaving my phone. Heads up, if I'm going to be fully present, I'm going to leave my phone. It's okay if you don't document it and put it on Instagram. We believe that you are doing this, even if you don't post about it. So leave your phone inside. Go outside. Sit down. Breathe. What do you smell? What do you see? What do you hear? How does it feel? It's teaching kids to be fully present. It's stopping and breathing. Breathing literally builds the prefrontal cortex. If you can stop, feels awkward, doesn't it? You know why? Because we never do it. It feels awkward because we never do it. It shouldn't feel awkward. You should have some moments in your day where you're just Because now you've moved from your amygdala and reacting, you know, with emotion to your frontal, prefrontal cortex. Now, logic, reason, breathing, you know, like cold water on a wound, you know. Get yourself some cold water. I hurt myself. Put cold water on it. And the breathing is the same for emotional. It's amazing. Mindful moments. You breathe and then you consider all of your senses. A mindful meal. A mindful meal, you may put out something new that no one's ever tasted before. You get a new food, and you go, guys, we're going to have a mindful meal. And you put that one thing out, and you go, okay, we're all going to taste it, and we're going to talk about what it smells like, what it looks like, what it tastes like, what it feels like. Does it sound? Does it crunch? Does it? It's just getting them to think about what they're experiencing, to be fully present, to be intentionally present. And if you have a child who's super high strung, who's super emotional, teach breathing. Teach breathing. We say that a lot in our remote control. Take a breath, take a break, watch your tone, watch your face. When we talk about how kids, um, you know, need to talk when they are upset, but they need to speak in a respectful tone. You can do the same thing when they're upset. Like, let's breathe. One, two, three. I don't mean like this. (laughs) (laughs) Not hyperventilate. It's slow breathing. It's intentional. Remember? Mindfulness is about intentionality. It's about purposeful breathing. One, two, three two, three, you're helping them think about what they think about. It's amazing how empowering. There's a professor at Stanford who actually teaches a class on willpower and self-control, and she started it uh, with adults, but the more she did it, she had so many enrolled that they had to change the location of the class four different times because so many people wanted to learn about willpower. One of her first chapters says, start your day with five minutes of breathing with your eyes closed. I was like, five minutes, that is an eternity. I cannot do five minutes, but I was leading a group, so I had to do it. And so I was like, is this hard for anybody else? And they were like, well, not really. It was so hard for me. Let me tell you this one activity to try for yourself. Five minutes of intentional breathing and all you think about is your breath. It was so hard for me, but I kept doing it every day and my mind would wander and I would pull it back and I would pull it back and I would pull it back. You know what I was doing? I was building my prefrontal cortex. You can get stronger, you can build. You can do it with children in tiny increments tiny bits of time the breathing is huge close the eyes just thinking about your breath it gives them control if you have a little one who is so emotional do 30 seconds of breathing do 10 seconds of breathing but that breathing and only thinking about the breath is so so empowering another thing i want to challenge you to do as we talk about mindfulness this week mom the definition of motherhood is multitasking That is what we do. We do many things at one time and we're great at it. And that's amazing. And we couldn't do our jobs if we could not multitask. But I want to challenge you to have a window of your day, maybe two windows when you're single tasking. Choose to single task. Right now, I'm going to do this one thing. And that's all I'm going to do. Maybe you start with 10 minutes. I'm going to do this one thing. I'm just going to drink coffee. I'm going to do this one thing. And some of you are like, I reheat my coffee five times. during Yes, that's right, that's right. But right now, I'm gonna wake up earlier so that I can do one thing for 10 minutes. Or maybe your one thing involved your children. I'm gonna do one thing. I'm gonna sit and play this game. And for me, I was like, while the clothes are in the dryer. Let me put the clothes in the dryer first and that way I'm not wasting time. Nope, I'm gonna leave the clothes and I'm gonna do one thing. I'm gonna be intentional and I'm gonna be deliberate and I'm going to do one thing. It's hard. It is hard, but you can do it, and you'll find your brain growing. You'll find yourself being calmer. You'll find, I promise you, it will impact every area of your life. Being mindful, we have to think about what we think about. God says, be changed by the renewing of your mind. Let God change how you think about things. He partners with you. You go, I can't do that. Yes, you can. You have to choose, you have to partner with him, let him give you the strength. Find purpose in it, find value. There's power in struggle, there's power in risk, there's power in new. This week, do something you've never done before and this week, single task, which is probably the thing that you've never done before. And so maybe that's what you can do. But we're gonna move into a time of reflection because I want you to take a minute and it's uncomfortable sometimes, but I want you to say, God, show me how things really are. Show me how I can get better. I want to be the best mom I can be, so I'm going to approach this with honesty and humility. Show me what I can do this week to single task. Show me that I, what I can do this week to build my free prefrontal cortex. Show me what I can do this week to empower my child to build his prefrontal cortex. You can do it, guys, and God will not leave you hanging. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the gift of scholars who study the mind and study the heart and teach us. Thank you for the gift of Scripture that we can meditate on, that we can be silent and hear truth from you. I ask right now, God, that you hover over every family represented, listening, watching, remote group, in this room, that you remind us that everything can be used and will be used for your glory and our good. Help us to embrace struggle, embrace risk, and embrace new. In Jesus' name, amen. We're so glad you joined us today. You can get more resources and information at fearlessmom.com.